Today, you will hear the views and ideas of our podcast guests. We're eager to showcase their expertise and provide a platform for their views, but they may not always reflect or align with the views of the Positive Effect or the MAP Center for Urban Health Solutions. Welcome to Podcast. We are created by and for people living with HIV. On each episode, we explore what it means to be PAUS. We challenge the status quo, and we share stories that matter to us. I'm James Watson, and I'm HIV positive. If you're living with HIV, listen up. Before we get going, you know, I just have to tell you, on this episode, I was just having one of those days. I was talking to Tara Jewell and Mark Sagan, two of the Positive Leadership Development Institute managers. We were having a great conversation about leadership, and I kept calling their program the Peer Leadership Development Institute instead of the Positive Leadership Development Institute. Well, we were going to edit it out, but you'll hear at about the 20-minute mark, Mark Sagan correct me in the kindest, most artful and articulate way. I just had to keep it in. He modeled the way. I mean, these are the skills of a true leader. I hope you enjoy the show. Our response to the HIV epidemic would not be nearly as successful without the effective leadership of people living with HIV, and that's just a fact. And I'm going to propose that there may be nothing more important for our community right now than building the next generation of leaders. Lots of dynamic and smart people with rich stories have stepped up and stepped into roles of leadership over the years. But is it enough? Are we fostering enough HIV-positive leaders to sustain and champion the response in the years to come? Greg Sakaris wrote in his paper, Leadership Development in HIV and AIDS, and I'm going to paraphrase here, that although strong leadership of people living with HIV may not always guarantee success of HIV and AIDS programming, it has become clear that without effective leadership, progress and success is almost impossible. He goes on to say that a leadership vacuum is approaching. And this paper was written in 2008. So I wonder, is a leadership vacuum upon us? Is it already happening? On our program today, we're going to explore what leadership for people living with HIV looks like and hear about some of the really great work being done to develop the next generation of leaders in Canada. There are many forms and constructs of leadership building, but on today's program, we're focusing on the Peer Leadership Development Institute, or PLDI. It's a really exciting grassroots program founded by the Ontario AIDS Network in 2006 and has now expanded to British Columbia with the support of the Pacific AIDS Network and into Quebec in partnership with COXIDA, the Coalition of Quebec Community Organizations Fighting HIV and AIDS. My very special guests today are Tara Jewell, the Provincial Manager of PLDI in Ontario, and Mark Sagan, the Provincial Manager of PLDI in British Columbia. Welcome, both of you, to Podcast. Hi there. Hi, thank you for having us. This is wonderful to be here. Very welcome. So let's dive right in. So for our audience, could you explain the main goals of PLDI? Like, what do you want people to get out of the program? Um, Well, I'm glad you started off with what Greg had said about leadership development, because for PLDI, uh, leadership development is self-development. So it really is an opportunity for people living with HIV to come together and to um, tap into these untapped resources they have regarding their lived experience of living with HIV, 
uh, and uh, using it for themselves uh, at home, uh, with their families, with their friends, and in community. It's just being able to help, you know, provide more tools in the toolbox uh, for people to just really, really be part of, you know, the principles of JIPO, which are nothing about us without us. Right, right. And can you explain to us the like the foundation of this training? What, what do you draw from? Yeah, our training, the, the tenet of our training is based on the Leadership Challenge, which is by uh, Kuzin Posner. And it's uh, not our entire training, but it's a component of it. And it, uh, it really speaks to our uh, five practices of leadership, which are um, modeling the way, uh, inspiring a shared vision, encouraging the heart, enabling others to act, and challenging the process. And those are all things that people living with HIV do every single day. But they're also what people who are leaders in community do as well. Those are the principles of really effective leaders. So we just kind of, uh, I'd like to say this is as, tra as trainers uh, for our participants, uh, Tara, myself, Daniel Claude in Quebec, we set the table. And the participants come in and they, they have their go at the menu through our, our different trainings we offer. Right. So what does a day in the life of a participant at PLDI look like? I'll take this one. Um, so there's three main components to our workshop. The first one is the core training. And we take people away out of the city from a Thursday to a Sunday. And we really sit and we discuss, you know, what is leadership? Um, how can we be leaders in our own war on our own lives? And we do believe that anyone can be a leader given the right tools. The second component of our training is a governance workshop where we learn about nonprofit governance and the ins and outs of being on a nonprofit uh, board. And a third component is communication and managing that message whether it's managing a message that you have to give to your doctor about how to switch up medication, or if it's a message about, you know, telling your own story and what does that look like when you are asked to tell your own story. Right. I mean, I really like that idea about you aren't born a leader, right? That you, everyone can learn to, to, to lead. Um, so, and what does that look like for various people? I think it really varies. I think I've seen a lot of people who just doesn't, don't believe they could be a leader. That's not what they thought. I don't know many people who are born to say, hey, I'm born to be a leader and I'm going to be a leader in life. Right. Um, I see people who really, really didn't think they could and now they're leading organizations. So it's just, like I said before, giving people the right tools and the opportunity to shine and be all they can be. Right. So, and this is like, you know, to be a leader, you can it just, it might mean just finding your voice. Or it could mean, you know, like you said, leading or an organization in some way. Right. Leading doesn't always need to be in the front. So what would be the most common reason that people attend PLDI? I think the fact that we bring people together for a weekend that are all living with HIV from throughout the province is something that is just so valuable and so special. And to be able to sit in a room with, you know, 18 other peers and people living with HIV where you may have never have come across them before in your life, but because we have that unique bond of living with HIV, that's something that I really think people do come back for. Of course, the training is amazing and all of the content that we give is 
fabulous, but I think there's really something special about coming together in a room filled with people living with HIV. So all the facilitators, trainers are also people living with HIV, which makes it a really, really unique workshop. Yeah, that's very exciting. What, uh, like Mark, what do you think, what kind of dynamic does that bring to the training? I think, um, you know, I think it brings a, a certain level of excitement. Um, there's a, a, a feeling of emotion, anxiety. Uh, there's a, a kinship. Uh, the, there's a place, uh, a feeling of, oh, my God, this is where I've landed. I myself, you know, uh, before I was a, a trainer, I went through the training itself in Ontario back, you know, way back in 2008, 2009. And, you know, to sit in a room and, you know, be there with people who are your peers and the trainers at the front of the room are HIV positive individuals. So they're your role models. And, uh, and it's reflected back at you. That is extremely powerful. Right. To see, you know, you're wanting to see people with lived experience in those roles. Yeah, the feeling is incredible from the get go. And we we take people on a journey right throughout the weekend. Uh, you know, this is an opportunity, you know, where people get to do a little bit of, you know, asking the answer to that question. Who am I as a leader? And that's what we do in the in that first training we do. Uh, it's a bit of like reflecting, uh, a little bit of navel gazing. We take people away, uh, and then we recently we go to a retreat setting for that first one, is because we want to have people kind of disconnect from you know their partner, their pets, their neighbor, uh, you know their dealer on the corner, you know their parent, whatever, and it's their time to do some time to reflect. And, you know, we kind of dig deep, you know, people are asked, you know, uh, questions to consider, you know, what are your core values? How do you feel about being a leader uh, in community? Where do you fall on the HIV timeline regarding, you know, when you got diagnosed to when did you first hear about HIV? It's quite a, a rich experience. So having... Everybody coming together who are living with HIV, and I'm assuming at various stages of coming to terms with that, what kind of uh, supports do you have in place for, for people as they go through this journey with you? Mm -hmm. Well, we say pretty well upfront that because it's a training, it's a, it's a professional development opportunity. We're very upfront and we say um, we're not as a support group, but we're a supportive group. Right. right. So uh, and so, of course, we acknowledge, you know, sometimes feelings come up for people and that's normal uh, as individuals living with HIV where, you know, people are always perhaps getting activated at different times when they can maybe connect with somebody else's experience and they might be sharing a little bit of a moment. But that's what's nice about having a team of trainers behind you. And we also... Um, what we do is there's a key component of our, our weekend is using structured feedback. So we're constantly checking in with our participants uh, through them writing back to us, like how they're doing, uh, you know, how was the session? And we're reading those, you know, like those like mini uh, feedback forms on our breaks and our lunchtime and we adapt it. Oh my God, I'm too tired. That session was too long. Or, oh, could you go over this part again? And, you know, we adapt it and, 
And or if somebody's saying, um, oh, you know, I'm feeling a bit confused. That was a little bit uh, I, I felt quite nervous in that conversation. Then we'll have an opportunity as instructors or trainers in training to go and check in with that person. Right. I see. So, so Tara, the commitments are modeled the way Inspire Shared Vision, right? That's the commitments. Is that correct? It's the leadership practices. That's the practices. So mm-hmm. out of the practices, which is modeled the way, Inspire Shared Vision, challenge the process, enable others to act, encourage the heart. Is there, is there ones, ones that are more accessible for people than others that are, that are harder to grasp than others? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think sometimes people who model the way may not realize that they're modeling the way, you know, walking the talk. Uh, challenging the process is something, I mean, I'd love to meet someone who's not challenged a process before. And sometimes it's important to know how to challenge the process. So, um, uh, you know, do you know the process that you're challenging? Um, enable others to act is something I see very, very often because it's people helping each other out. So even as a participant, new participants to the workshop is usually because of other participants that have recommended them. Yeah. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, um, something that we all have in common, I think from the get go regarding people who get connected to uh, PLDI is, um, is that not for profit organizations are in the business of one of my favorite practices, uh, which is encouraging the heart right? It's not for profit work, right? We're not in it because we're trying to drive the stock market up. Quite often people barely have money, you know, at the end of their month and fiscal year to be able to do the work they're doing. So there's a really lot of, you know, uh, heartfelt people, both our, you know, our allies in community and people living with HIV who are doing the really good work in these not for profits. So that's a great example of uh, encouraging the card is coming together in community, doing community work, and also taking the time to acknowledge that, you know, like celebrating small, small wins, we call it. Like, wow, way to go. That's great. Oh, my gosh, you got a new volunteer role. Wow, you know, send up a flare. Or, you know, wow, you've got a paid position and you haven't worked in five years. Oh, my God, that's like awesome. Uh, and we need that. And so do our allies, right? Our uh, non-HIV positive people who are, um, um, you know, in roles of, you know, being service providers, uh, managers, EDs. They also need to be thanked and receive a pat on the back and thank you for your good work, right? Because we're working in areas that, you know, it's HIV AIDS work. Right? It ain't easy. Right. So I wanted to touch on disclosure. And, uh, you know, I know it's a challenge for many of us and many people living with HIV. So talk to me about disclosure in the context um, of leadership. Uh, And can you have one without the other? Mark? Yeah. uh, For us here in BC, because disclosure is such a broad topic, right? It covers it could cover a lot of different areas regarding disclosure around, you know, your sexuality, uh, you know, when you're going to be intimate with an individual. And here in BC, because it's a leadership training, we focus on disclosure as it relates to leadership. How can a person go about disclosing when they're being called to be involved in community? So it could be like on a board of directors. And quite often to be on a board of directors, you have to be out regarding your status, 
right? Uh, or if you're being going to be asked to, hey, it's World AIDS Day. Uh, we want to get a quote from you, or can we have your picture taken of you? Or, oh, we're doing、um, a video clip for、uh, the organization. Would you like to be involved with us? Those are all、uh, forms of disclosure. Where you know,、uh, quite often now, you know, by doing that, it's out there. Right, so we have a conversation, and 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 here in BC we show a few examples、uh, through videos of what how people have been disclosing, right, and、uh, through different like PSAs, things like that, and then、uh, we put them in the groups, and then people have conversations around disclosure and what that looks like, and for some people it's a journey for them, right? They could for various reasons, for safety reasons, or because they're not out to their family or friends or work, etc. Um, you know, they kind of choose how, who, what, why, when, and where they choose to disclose in that regard. Well, it's an interesting tension, really. I mean, you know, as a peer leader, how are you recognized for for that if you aren't disclosed? And there's so, but at the same time, it's a completely personal response.、Uh, it's definitely a challenge. So,、uh, what about you, Tara? What do you, how, what are your thoughts around disclosure and leadership? Um. I remember the last question when I applied for this job was, you know, how can you be a coordinator of this program and not be fully out about your HIV status? And I said, well, it's really easy. It's about the program. It's not about me. And I can get up and talk about this program quite freely. And then I've met people that if it wasn't for people who stood up and you know stood in front of whomever and fought for medication and were loud and proud about their HIV status, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be here today in this capacity. I think the people who are the quiet ones can make just as big of an impact, and there's a lot of them. I, I agree, disclosure is a complete journey. You know, there are a lot to it. Once your status is out there, it's really hard to take it back. And you know, we always can get into the whole discussion of tokenism. So we always talk about, you know, why are you disclosing? What is, you know, what is the point of disclosing? How does that look? How can it affect your life? But overall, no, I do not feel that you have to disclose your status in order to be an effective leader. Right. And do you think there's too much pressure on people living with HIV to become outward-facing leaders? Um, no. I will say, for me personally, in my own personal journey, I never was never pressured to the point where I felt like I had to. There are times where I, you know, wish I was more brave enough to, but that was me and my personal feelings. Overall, I felt like I was able to go through this disclosure journey、um, and making my own decisions and、um, not feeling pressured to be out and open about my status. Right. What do you feel about that, Mark? Yeah, I feel like it's a journey. Like it's, I feel like it's a journey because it's such a. An important topic, right? It's connected to everything that an individual is.、Uh, there's still a lot of stigma connected to HIV, and it's about choosing who and when, you know, making those disclosures to, right? Like, who is your company? Are you in good company?、Uh, is it for a good reason?、Uh, and I, I always find it, you know, incredibly remarkable individuals,、uh, as Tara said, who. Who came out years before? You know, were like the face 
uh, of HIV and fighting stigma out in community, you know, fighting for access to medications. Uh, you know, I think of like, you know, the first person who was a, a member who had, you know, led a member led agency, you know, back in 1986, what that must have been like for them to be the chair of the organization during a time, you know, that was not at all tolerant around HIV. That's incredible yeah. Yeah. to be that strong. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and the, the Peer Leadership Development Institute uh, sort of opens the door for that. Right. And James, I love how you're referring to it as the Peer Leadership Development Institute. Um, it's the Positive Leadership oh, Development Institute. Right. <laughs> but as I'm hearing you say peer, you're absolutely correct in that regard because it is peers. We are all peers on this journey. And when we get together and we do trainings, either our core training or like uh, Tara was referring to our communications or governance, we're using the wisdom in the room when we're working on what we're working on, right? Because right. that's it. Like sometimes I've just been up there and I'm gobsmacked because, oh my gosh, I haven't heard that before. And I love this expression, leaders are learners. Right, oh yeah, absolutely. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, there's a pressure off me. It's not about being perfect, right? right? It's not about holding a person who's a leader to a higher ideal. No, leaders are learners. We're human. We make mistakes. You know, you learn from them. Um, but, uh, oh, my gosh, to, to be on a, a leadership journey and to help others along on theirs is an incredible privilege, right? Absolutely. Did I say Peer Leadership Development Institute right from the very beginning? You did. But that's okay. <laughs> you know why? Because you're a leader and leaders are learners. <laughs> right? Still learning. Still learning, folks. Uh, so my, I, I guess I have a question about people who come, so they're going away for a few days. Um, do people ever arrive and then halfway through say, oh, this just isn't for me. They're not, they're not ready. And if so, how do you manage that? Okay. <clears throat> I, I'd like to take this, Dar. <laughs> so, uh, and it's just, and I think it's kind of being upfront, James, that we kind of let them know that it's not like a retreat. Like we're there from a Thursday evening until a Sunday like almost four days and we're working we're in a classroom we're not off like canoeing and you know reading on the dock kind of thing right like they wish right but we're not we're not doing any of that we're introducing concepts you know people are taking notes people are participating in activities uh you know people are have opportunities to come to front to the, of the class and 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 help out themselves uh it's one of those things that i think here in bc and i'm sure it's very similar in ontario that you know there's quite uh, a selection process that's involved of bringing together individuals that are in a place of what i call readiness to engage in leadership right being in a place of readiness and we have those conversations in our review committees when we're looking at applications and things and information we're going oh my gosh you know very little information's written down you know maybe uh, uh, not the right time for them. Maybe it would be better for them if they went on a retreat first and got connected to what it's like to even get away for the first time versus get away and have to, you know, be working in a classroom setting. Right. So this this is made clear. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and sometimes it has, it's, it's happened 
where we've had to exit a person from the program because um, it's a bit participating. It's a certificate program. People receive a certificate when they when they complete it, right? And so um, people need to participate, and people participate in a lot of different ways. But uh, we're there to really want to help people succeed. Right. Really, right. we'll go through uh, you know great extents to want to help that happen. So people take the course. So then what? After people graduate, is there an ongoing mentorship or or uh, uh, some sort of connection to outside agencies? Is there post PLDI support? So um, we are developing new workshops. So last year we piloted a uh, facilitator workshop. So we're always trying to keep the content new. Since COVID, uh, Mark, actually, it was BC that started doing graduate check-ins online. And the uptake here in Ontario has been phenomenal. And we have people who are, you know, part of the very, very beginning uh, 2010 groups of graduates to people who graduated as early as 2019. So you get a great group. Ontario has been um, able to offer two alumni to bring people together. And uh, something that, especially if you're a graduate, you're aware that we are very, very keen on sending out evaluations, asking how you're doing, seeing how it's been the last six months, the 12 months, 18 months. So we try our best to keep in um, contact with graduates. I think one of the best initiatives we've taken has been since COVID with BC starting online um, check-ins. And we actually had a national, a BC and Ontario jamboree, which was oh. able to bring people together um, from across the country, which was amazing. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Okay. So what do you think, what does PLDI do really well? Um, I, I, I've met all of the facilitators from all three provinces and all every all facilitators slash trainers are graduates of the program. What do we do really well? I feel that we're there a hundred percent. Like you are getting a hundred percent of Mark for that weekend. He is there. We listen very well. I feel that we definitely see the best in people and help people bring out the best in them. What do you think, Mark? I think, yeah, I, I love that question because I think we, um, we inspire a shared vision is what we do. Like people are coming away feeling like, oh, I'm connected to something more than myself right now. Like sometimes people run into each other and, you know, they could be at something where somebody's presented and they go, have you taken PLDI? Because you sound like you've taken PLDI. Just how they're talking, what language to use, etc. And that's great. You know, like there's people who've never, you know, perhaps even received a certificate for something in their life. Right. And they come to a training and it's incredibly empowering and heartfelt and warming when you see people who come from um, other countries uh, where, um, you know, they're African countries uh, where, you know, women's voices have been uh, hushed and silenced and feared and abused out of them. And, you know, and they start the weekend, you know, you know, barely being able to feel comfortable in voice and wondering what's happening. And then by the end, and they're standing there with their certificate and saying how proud they are to like meet and work with other people living with HIV. It's incredible. Like, and you know, those same individuals have gone on to start their own organization. You know, African Canadian Positive Network here in BC is a great example. You know, that's 
everything. That is everything. That's fantastic. Um, on, in the same vein, a question. So, so where where's there room for improvement in the program? Do you think? Um, I think funding is always a big, yeah. <laughs> big thing, right? Yeah, funding is always the you know the ongoing concern, and you know we've we've over the years we've had like a lot of you know different funding sources, uh, you know through um, you know the provincial health agency of Canada. Uh, we've also had like Mac AIDS, Gilead, different things. And, you know, a lot of work has to go into a lot of, you know, our funding proposals, etc. cetera, uh, you know, sometimes just to get a couple of thousand dollars. Right. right and right. so, you know, funding is paramount because it, it takes funding to put on, you know, the work we do to bring people together, to transport people, to feed people, all those things. Right. For sure. And so funding is important. And, but we're incredibly hopeful right now we're uh, we've just submitted a funding proposal uh, to PHAC to hopefully be funded uh, between 2022 and um, 2027 but we also acknowledge you know PHAC has you know limited amounts of money uh, and uh, you know competition is very competitive and you you know we wish all the organizations incredible luck on in getting funding because you know the grassroots organizations are as deserving of being given a kick at the can you know like we were well absolutely absolutely I wish you all the best with that a cu- couple more questions so you know I guess how can people get involved in PLDI well they could contact us directly. <laughs> Um, okay, we'll be sure can, to put your information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, they, if they're uh, connected with one of our member organizations, whether it's from BC or Quebec or Ontario, um, I feel quite confident that our organizations are well-versed in what PLDI is and isn't and who it's for. And um, yeah, those are the two main ways to get involved. Okay. So let's get personal. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, as leaders of a leadership program, do you feel like your behaviors and opinions are under a microscope? Um, yeah, no, I don't think so, James, in the sense of like a kind of go back to that statement where it's like leaders are learners, right? Right. Like I'm in this position because of, you know, I took a chance one day, you know, more than 14 years ago to start, you know, volunteering, cooking in a kitchen, cooking brunch, which led to, you know, being involved in committees, which led to being involved in a board of directors, which led to, you know, returning to work, which led to like, you know, now going on like, you know, 14 years, 15 years paid work in the HIV community. But in all, it's going on 25 years work. Wow. And I consider that 10 years of being a volunteer, uh, you know, so important. It's equally important as paid work because without our volunteers, we wouldn't have not-for-profit organizations, really. For sure. And, and Tara, how do you feel about that? Do you feel you're a little under the microscope? Um, I do. I, um, I've been uh, with the Ontario AIDS Network now for almost 10 years. And as I agree with Mark that learners are leaders, I do find that because of my position, maybe people expect me to be a certain way or to, you know, put me on a a pedestal and I'm not, I'm just like everyone else, no different. I make my mistakes and um, yeah, I didn't, definitely was not a little girl. Like when I grew up, I want to be a leader in the HIV sector, wasn't thinking that at all. And um, sometimes it's hard. Um, we all have our bad days. 
sometimes uh, I'm, I'm very privileged to have a strong team of managers that, you know, we connect every week. It is all work, but sometimes we just have to say, you know, it's been a shitty week and it's, sorry, it's been right. a tough week. Um, <laughs> and so between my managers and my facilitators and my um, manager at work, my, and my boss, I'm very lucky to have those people I can talk to and go to when I'm having those days. But at times, yeah, I don't think this is a job, like this is a job where people are watching you and sometimes people are watching you to fail and others are watching you to to not. So you just have to, I don't know. I always say you smile pretty and watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll take that. Um, so I like, I want to close the interview. We have like five rapid fire questions and I'm just, it's just going to be like a choice between two words. You each get to choose whatever, you know, whatever uh, answer you want. So I'll start with you, Tara. Okay. Text or phone? Text. Freedom or hope? Freedom. Dogs or cats? Both. Mm, all right. It's going against the rules. Okay, okay. Cats, 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 cats. Okay. Rain or snow? Rain. Piercings or tattoos? Tattoos. Okay. Mark, same questions. Text or phone? Uh, phone. Freedom or hope? Um... Hope. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Rain or snow? Uh, rain. Of course. <laughs> BC. Uh, piercings or tattoos? Piercings. Excellent. Well, thank you both very much. It's been wonderful talking with you. We'll see you again. Thank you Thanks, for this James, opportunity. For inviting us. This was great. This was great. Thank you so much, James. Thanks. Yeah. That's it for us this month. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time on Podcast. And if you have any comments or questions or ideas for new episodes, send me an email at podcastforyou at gmail.com. That's the number four and the letter U. Podcast is produced by the Positive Effect at the MAP Center for Urban Health Solutions. The Positive Effect is a facts-based lived experience movement powered by people living with HIV and can be visited online at positiveeffect.org. Technical production is provided by David Grine of the Acme Podcasting Company in Toronto.